All right, everybody, welcome to the showcase. On today's episode, free agency, post-LeBron world, and five books that really capture it all. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the showcase. All right, to be honest, man, we've reached a part of the season that a lot of people would just refer to as ho-hum, and that's putting it lightly. I think it's the part of the season where a lot of teams are cruising, the seeding, the standings are starting to solidify, plenty of teams are approaching or fast approaching what is commonly you know, known and referred to, maybe not referred to, but definitely known as tanking season, right? tanking season or cruising season if you're you know one through four seated and you already got your playoff spot in a lock i mean we have four saturdays left in the season most teams have somewhere between 10 and 15 games left not really a ton to restructure the entire game plan or anything right even though we're dealing with a competitive schedule Teams, for the most part, are just doing their best to to remain healthy, not get injured, not slide too far. But you have teams not necessarily mailing it in, but definitely looking at games on the calendar and deciding where they can get rest and where they can kind of have to turn it on and, and see what teams are going to be a good test. So with that being said, I mean, these next three weeks are definitely dangerous for gamblers right i i myself have even taken a lot of these nights off just because you never know what kind of intensity these teams are going to bring and i talked about this at the end of the pod last week where you know you really want to focus on those teams that are, are playing kind of within their lanes right the top teams when they play each other they got a lot to play for and, to, and are using it as a test for the playoffs the teams down at the bottom have, don't have so much to play for but are playing for a sense of pride in that hey i don't want that other piece of crap team to beat me right we we basically want to lose but our pride is fucking with our head you know and at the same time we've reached a part of the season that has just really been i don't want to say boring but the stakes are low now the games themselves have been phenomenal we've had a bunch of them come down to the wire i mean last night the sun's 76ers game came down to a full court shot by joel Embiid. right the blazers can't seem to to win a game that that comes down to the wire having close ones with denver as well as the clippers this week and you know and that's exactly what i'm talking about some of these top teams when they play each other they really, really play each other, right? But between all the injuries, everything's going on with the comparison schedule and, and everything else, I mean, this section of the season, we're all kind of just circling and circling and circling over again the play-in game. And the play-in game should be a ton of fun, and I'm super excited to watch it. Uh, and full disclosure, I'm actually going to be camping that weekend, so I'll have to watch it after the fact. So I'll probably be off social media those couple of days just to make sure you know I don't spoil it for myself. But I'm definitely going to be excited as far as the play-in game and, and what that means. But if we focus on the teams that are actually in the play-in game, then we can see that those standings are pretty locked as well. I mean... 
if you look at the West, 7 through 10 is currently, you know, Dallas, Memphis, Golden State, San Antonio, and then three games behind them is New Orleans. Now, can New Orleans string together a ton of good games, you know, go 10 and 5 and the Spurs slide out? Maybe. Can the Warriors, with all their injury struggles, you know, be backed up by Steph Curry and, and remain the nine seed, maybe slide to the 10 seed or ultimately slide out, maybe, right? Those are the teams that you're watching, right? Can can Dallas maintain the lead that it has to, to remain the seven seed and in so only have to play one game, maybe, right? Like all of these things can happen, right? But if we look at the schedules, we know some teams have it a, just a little bit tougher than others in far as far as how their schedule is going to go and that is obviously going to have to factor in to their ability to remain where they are but it still doesn't change anything in the sense that this last little section of the season is basically boring from night to night i mean you'll get a good game but overall like we're all just kind of waiting for mid-may and granted, you know, today's October, you know, October, April 22nd. And, you know, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably the 23rd or later. So we really don't have to wait that long, right? We're, like I mentioned, four Saturdays away with one of them being very, very soon or have already passed, depending on when you're listening to this. But the point is, we're kind of just as fans twiddling our thumbs and talking about, you know, where the playoffs are going to be matchups potentially things of that nature and of course as we get closer you know it'll start to make more sense who's going to be where but granted outside you know of the top six everything after that is still a little bit of a toss-up so i think you know rather than looking at these theoretical races for seven through ten like we normally do in a season by season basis right because for up until this year and, and you can count the bubble if you want the what only really mattered was that like eight nine ten spot for the most part right and fair enough right fair enough that that was the only part that mattered but now obviously seven through ten matters even 11 matters but even still it's so hard for these teams to that are you know in the 11th 10th 11th 12th 13th 14th 15th spots to slide in now, I talked about the West already. In the East, it's a little bit closer, right? You got the Pacers in the ninth seed, two games behind them are the Wizards, and then half game behind the Wizards are the Raptors, and a half game behind them are the Bulls, and then the Cavs could potentially slide in. So it's a little bit closer on that side, but even still, I mean, is, are the Pacers really going to slide three games out? Probably not, like unless there's, you know, some even more injury problems for them. Um, we did see Sabonis get some rest protocols recently, but even still, um, that's likely, likely not going to happen. I don't know why I just sounded like goofy right there, but I did. Anyway, um, but so as we watch the, you know, these battles, right, we, we include like the ninth seed, even though we normally wouldn't. We That's where it is. But that's it, right? We don't, we don't. As we watch the rest of these seasons, it's it's kind of boring. So what 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 is ending up happening is teams, media people, not teams so much, right? The teams have to play business as usual, right? They're just kind of wrapping up the season and again trying to just stay as healthy as possible. But what the media and, and the talk about is 
drilling down on you know one of a few topics right it's a topic number one who can win it all right who's looking like the contender blah 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 that's the same kind of conversation that's been happening happening throughout the year but now it's getting a little bit more serious right and every injury adds to whether or not that that you know becomes even more of a topic right um and it just becomes realer and realer and realer as it goes on topic number two is like awards right so you'll see you know hey who's the mvp who's the rookie of the year who's you know the sixth man of the year who's this and who's that and those topics are even dialed in and you know i'm no different i I talked about the same things as well but i think i talk about them once in a while as opposed to you know somebody that's more syndicated talking about it every day or every other day or something like that um and then topic number three is almost like nostalgia slash history right and there's nothing wrong with that but this is where you're going to catch guests that want to talk about, you know, uh, old Raptors team from back in the day or old Suns team from back in the day or old, you know, Timberwolves team and Kevin Garnett stories from the Boston Celtics or whatever the, the topic that makes you yearn for yesteryear. And there's no problem with that either, but it's just nobody has anything to really talk about because we're at a, a boring part of the season, right? And it's a precursor to what I call the dark days of the year being, you know, baseball season after basketball ends, Champions League is over, right? And you're, you're stuck between watching baseball, tennis, golf, potentially, and, you know, whatever niche cornhole tournament is happening in between all those from a sports world. Uh, me, I, I like the summer as a time to just, you know, chase some of my other interests and go on trips and enjoy the summertime and, and just, you know, reset before the next basketball season. But at the same time, I mean, we're winding down towards the end of the season. And, and this is where, you know, people are, are, are looking for additional topics. And with that being said, I mean, the only real things that I had were, to do the same right i can give you my own mvp conversations right i can give you my own yearnings for yesteryear and talk about the warriors heyday or the you know the king's run in 2005 or something like that but i don't think i want to do that instead i was thinking about this you know the last few days in that with all the injuries that are happening this year right superstars missing left and right obviously the show must go on uh and you know the pretty much every team has one person out right Atlanta just lost Trey Young Jalen Brown is missing games Brooklyn you know the big three in Brooklyn never seem to be together Gordon Hayward's out for Charlotte right Zach Levine is missing a few games for Chicago right you know Cleveland's in pretty much tag Dallas is in tag Jamal Murray's missing from Denver right the Detroit and Golden State freaking list goes on and on I'm not going to go through all 30 teams but every single team is missing a bunch of players but I think the most significant player that's been missing for this whole you know 30 percent of the season is LeBron James and you know I, I have kind of a love-hate respect relationship with LeBron James in that, you know, I hated playing against him. I hate some of his on-court actions. I love who he is off the court, how he's outspoken. He's a good businessman. He seems to be a good, good, you know, family man as well. And so off the court, you know, there's few players who I would rank above LeBron James on the court. Some of his antics and everything like that are kind of, 
ugh, to say the least, right? Some of the faces he makes, the complaints he has, the whistles, benefits of the whistles that he gets, you know, irks me. But what I've been thinking about the last few days is that we are potentially already living in a world that is post-LeBron James. Now, anytime LeBron James steps on a court and does something amazing, he has the attention of the entire world being, you know, arguably the greatest player on the court right now or on the earth or whatever you want to call it. He's the greatest active player for sure uh, through his, you know, career accolades and all that stuff. Not chips, but if you want to count chips, whatever. Robert Horry's the GOAT, right? That being said, this season and two seasons ago, right, he's missed over half of the season right assuming he doesn't come back for the rest of the year but i think they're just you know have him in a hyperbaric chamber somewhere resting and waiting to break out like rita evil and the power rangers after ten thousand years she's finally free to dominate you know whatever game that he plays in given that the lakers are locked into their their playoff spot but this half of the season has kind of made me realize that the game will go on without LeBron James. And I think it's going to be different than when some of the other greats decided to leave the game, right? When Kobe left the game in 2016, he dropped 60 and he was gone. And the Lakers definitely felt it, right, for a year or two before LeBron James came, right? They were definitely missing that Kobe element. Now, post-winning back-to-back championships, the Lakers already had their own struggles for sure, right? But when Kobe left, it definitely felt different as the eyes turned to different players in the league like LeBron, like Steph, like Harden, whoever, KD, whoever it may be. The eyeballs turned to all of them, but the the presence of Kobe leaving was felt, right? I think when, you know, Michael Jordan left, right? There was a freaking lockout <laughs> after he left. But I mean, you know, but when he left the Bulls, the entire league felt way, way different, right? And you had almost a scrub team make it to the NBA Finals and win in that, you know, 1999 shortened season, right? And, you know, no scrub teams, you know, made it in, in 2016 or 2017 after Kobe left or whatever, but I think his presence missing was felt. And I'm not so much sure if it was during the regular season or if it was the postseason, right? And that's that's I can go back and and look at and 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 look introspectively and and remember how I felt during that time. But at this time, I think it was really during the postseason that it was felt. But right now, as we live through this half a season without LeBron, I realize that the 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 story goes relatively unchanged, right? We're living in a post-LeBron world during the regular season right during the regular season we're allowed to to make our assumptions about who's going to win it all who's the mvp who's the you know most improved player even though it's never lebron but like who's the most consistent player greatest player on earth now given all the injuries right it makes it makes it make more sense that you know lebron is still toted so highly but what if there was a fully healthy Kevin Durant running around going crazy what if Joel Embiid didn't miss like 15 games what if Jokic took his his play a step further what if Jamal Murray didn't get injured and I mean we could play the what if games until lightning flies out of my butt but like we're not the point is I think when LeBron eventually decides to transition out of the league 
and announce his retirement, the impact will be felt, but only in the postseason, right? I mean, the man went to 10 out of 11 finals, right? That's impressive, right? But beyond that was the pure dominance in the, throughout the playoffs. I mean, he carried several Cavs teams all the way to the finals, even winning a chip, right? Continued to put in work day after day, year after year, and just show up in the playoffs and turn it on when it really, really mattered. And I expect the same thing this year, right? I expect when the Lakers inevitably match up with the Denver Nuggets for a Western Conference Finals repeat that LeBron is at the forefront of that and leads his team along with, you know, the Justice League that the Lakers have put together to a deep playoff run. And everybody, you know, turns the eyeballs back to LeBron James. But ultimately, you know, it feels as if we're in a post-LeBron world right now. Because, I mean, honestly, can you even say when the last time you saw a LeBron highlight was? And it was a while ago, right? Because he's missed the last 20, 25 games. And he will continue to miss games until, you know, the Lakers feel like they're ready to bring him back. I, I'm projecting with, you know, four, five, six games left, LeBron will step on the court again just to get his legs under him before it really matters. But here's here's what irks me about LeBron James, right? Man hasn't played for half a season. Last year, he missed a bunch of games, came back in the playoffs, did phenomenal. The year before that, the team was ass, didn't have AD yet, had all these young pieces, and basically decided in December that he was going to take the, the rest of the year off. You know, that's him. He's LeBron James' superstar. He's allowed to do that once every, you know, 10 to 15 years. What irks me, though, is that LeBron James is going to come back and he's going to drop like 42 points, 13 rebounds, like 9, 10 assists, get a crazy triple-double, something like that. And then the storylines surrounding him are going to become, oh, this man doesn't get enough respect, it's been quiet all season, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, he's actually done this for the last few years where he just disappears during the regular season does enough in the front half to get his name in the mvp race boost his statistics you know make everybody realize who he is and then when he feels comfortable enough that his team will make it to the playoffs it's like just make it to the playoffs just make it to the playoffs i'll take it from there right that's lebron james then he comes back and then it's like oh the disrespect the slander on lebron james blah 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 and that's what irks me i mean the man chooses not to play half a season it's great he's earned it he's well into his rights to go ahead and do that but then to come back and say i don't get enough respect i was the greater blah 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 and all that stuff just isn't gonna fly right so inevitably, when LeBron James does it again this year, right, will we be even more ready for a post-LeBron NBA world? I know I will be. And maybe me pointing this out makes you realize maybe you will be too. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Inevitably, the other place where the stories start to go, maybe not so much for the top teams, but for the mid-tier who are going to miss the playoffs and the bottom-tier teams, is what happens in free agency this summer. So they just announced that free agency starts on August 2nd, and then teams can start signing with August 6th. 
what that means is obviously you know the the draft will be held somewhere around there i think they announced it'll be like july 29th then you'll have free agency start shortly after and then from there you know players will have summer league a preseason and then ultimately the season will start so i'm projecting that the season will start sometime in october probably early october right a little bit earlier than usual just to try and get to that return that that to you know where it was before maybe lengthen out the season a little bit next year to have it still end when it normally ends but you know begin a little sooner so they can take up more of the year can't clash too much with the nfl right the nfl still dominates tv screens across the country but free agency you know is basically the other storyline that starts around this time of year right like what players are going to become available who needs to make what moves and it's kind of becomes more and more a topic as more and more teams fall out of contention for this year's championship right this year's championship falls between you know probably six to ten teams depending on how much favor you you give to a particular team and how deep they can go and how you know uh, basically healthy they can remain right we just saw jamal murray go down last week and, and because of it a lot of people just crossed off denver granted they've only lost i think like one or two games since him going down so how big of a loss was it really if the nuggets are able to maintain what they've been able to do now the point is that as more and more teams fall off they start to get well what what could have been added or what needs to be added to get this team into contention next year? Now, free agency always creates a, a plethora of what-if scenarios for any any major team or any team worth their spit because of the possibilities, right? And I had this conversation the other day as, as it applies to draft picks, right? When you're talking about what could be and what, you know, ultimately will be the possibilities are endless anything can happen i can grow another foot in the next 30 minutes right but i mean that's probably not going to happen but we can talk about well what if it does and the same thing happens with draft picks meaning you know how valuable is this first pick second overall pick third overall pick this year you know with this current draft class versus when they actually get drafted and then the same thing extends to free agents it's like how valuable can a player like you know, uh, Evan Fournier B if the Celtics choose to extend him, right? How useful can Otto Porter Jr. be if the Magic choose to extend him versus if he can go get some money elsewhere? And like we have this upcoming offseason, we have a ton of relatively good role players slash sixth men slash non-superstar players in the last year of their contracts, right? Just to read you the list, you know, we have Mike Conley currently in a contract year, Kyle Lowry, Andre Drummond, Otto Porter, DeMar DeRozan, Victor Oladipo, Tim Hardaway Jr., Evan Fournier, Gorgie Dang, James Johnson, Dennis Schroeder, Cody Zeller, Danny Green, Kelly Oubre Jr., Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, J.J. Redick, Trevor Ariza, and then the list goes on and on, right? Lonzo Ball is available this year, right? Lou Williams after this year. And after that, it kind of falls off a cliff. It's a lot of role players, guys that are on rookie contracts, kind of drifting through the league. Like, a lot of the names on this list are players that got traded, right? 
And you start to put together some what ifs, right? What if Solomon Hill decides to play for another year, right? What if Howell Neto continues to ball on Washington and somebody wants to cash him out for more than the $1.8 million that he's making nowadays, right? And there's going to be a ton of players on this list that get cashed out, right? Like, I think David Nwaba is going to get cashed out by Houston. He's been a big part of what's, what's, what they're building in Houston, and he's young. Tyler Johnson, another player that probably is going to get cashed out by Brooklyn because he's been balling out, right? And the the eyeballs turn to free agency. Gary Trent Jr., making 1.6 mil, he's probably going to get cashed out from balling out in, in Toronto like he did. Devontae Graham, right? Like, this year, there are a ton of players that are going to be entering free agency. I think we have something like 200 players almost out of 500. So that's about 40% of the league that enters free agency. Now, of those, there's only a, a handful of big names. And it feels like Andre Drummond's kind of found a home. Mike Conley will probably stay with Utah, right? But who knows what's going to happen with DeMar DeRozan and Victor Oladipo, if he's going to stay there, and Kyle Lowry, I think, is probably the biggest name that everybody's going to talk about for, you know, the entire summer, basically. So, you know, and they're going to make what-if scenarios and sign-and-trade scenarios and everything like that. But that's a topic that, that interests me greatly, right? Like, who, what teams are that single piece away from becoming you know, playoff contenders make it to the final type teams. And also, who is that player from this list that's going to be that addition, right? And so, you know, when you have two variables like that, you can make X and Y be whatever you want to make it fit, right? It's almost like those, like, it's not quadratic equations, but it's like some high-level math calculus type of stuff where you're like x to the third minus y to the second equals 11, you know, and like figure it out. And like, they, of course, there is an answer, but then there's sometimes it's just like, man, there's there's more than one answer. The answer can be in this range, right? If it goes over this, then it's false. If it goes under this, then it's false. But if it's in this range then it can be correct. And I think the same thing can be said for free agency. It's like, who says Kyle Lowry doesn't come and have a second revival of his of his career and go absolutely nuts playing for Milwaukee, right? Like, or so whoever else wants to cash him out now. It probably won't be anybody like Milwaukee, but it very well can be, right? I think the other thing to consider is how many players are going to get extensions right like at this point this year's rookies are going to be playing through their second year contract and towards the end of it is when they'll get an extension but players like John Morant after this year are eligible for an extension and you best believe Memphis is going to give him some crazy extension right like if that only makes sense players like Damian Lee probably right he's going to get an extension and that's the other thing to check out because that also happens in the summer and it very much controls what's going to happen with the rest of the team's not only trajectory but their salary to make moves in the years coming is largely dependent upon what they do this summer. So 
and it kind of hits the reset button, right? We're moved on from the championship and what happened and how this team overcame this thing to beat this team out. And then now we're focused on next year, right? Let's talk about next year. Let's talk about the what ifs, the what can be's, the who's nots, the who's hots, who has money and who spent it where on who and why that was wrong. So all that is coming. So just brace yourself. So I'm not saying necessarily over the next few weeks you're going to hear it, right? Because the next few weeks it's going to be MVP talk, awards talk, championships talk, right? LeBron's going to come back. It's going to be LeBron talk, right, which I've already talked about ad nauseum. And then it's going to be playoffs, right? Matchups, who's looking at who. Well, first it's going to be the playing game. Then it's going to be matchups, who's really playing who, who's playing who well, right the whirlwind that is the first round which to me honestly is my favorite part of the playoffs is actually the first round i think the matchups are just you get good basketball coming from anywhere at any time and it's fast and it's it's beautiful and it's great right like that that's all coming but when the dust settles and things are a little bit stale you'll get the free agency talk and i've already told you the major free agents for this year now it's up to, I guess, us to decide who's going to make the biggest splash by going where. And we we have all the ability to do it. And we have all the time in the world. So with that being said, I'll take one last quick break. I'll come back and give you one piece. Do you ever feel like you already know what you're going to say before you say it or what's going to be said before it is said. I know that's some weird, deep psychological stuff to open up a segment with, but it just feels like as much as I just talked about how we're entering a, a quasi boring section of the season, we talked about, you know, what's going to happen with LeBron talk and, and what, what, you know, else is going to be said and free agency and all that stuff. I still wanted to give you one of those cheesy little segments. And it's funny because as I was talking about those parts, I knew for a fact that I was going to give you this section at the end. But, you know, I wanted to cover it. And and it's something that I, I like a lot to do in my spare time, which is books. I like to read, right? And I think that for a long, long time, I didn't, I didn't really like reading, but it just kind of gives me a good way to wind down at the end of the day. I like reading books. It makes me, you know, obviously feel like I got a bunch of different perspectives. So what I want to do now is give you my five favorite books that has to do with basketball, right? And I think these five books have really just been either very fun to read gave me some insight that I didn't couldn't get anywhere and, and wouldn't get anywhere and ultimately were probably the best knowledge that I was gonna get um as far as, you know, basketball insight and things to have in people's perspectives. So what I wanna do is of course go over these and first of all they're not in any particular order, right? I'm just doing this actually purely off the dome because I think that would be the best way to give you the most impactful books that I read. So without further ado, the first one that I can think of is actually Breaks of the Game by David Halberstrom. 
Now, this game was written in the 80s about basketball, and it covers the Portland Trailblazers championship team, but it doesn't really cover the championship year, which I think a lot of people are, you know, expecting when a book is written about a championship team, but it covers the years that followed that, right, which is actually really really interesting to see how like a team was deconstructed you know specifically you know bill walton and what his impact was what his mindset was and it was just a great book to read and honestly it was one of the one of the only books i've ever read that doesn't have any chapters like there's four chapters in a 400 page book right so chapter three takes up i think like 320 of the 400 pages which is crazy i was like what i never read a book with no chapters right that was nuts but it ended up being one of the best books i've ever read and i think part of the reason is because it was it was a book written by a guy that didn't normally write about basketball but wanted to tell a story and so you know, that's that's the first book. Second book is Seven Seconds or Less, which was absolutely phenomenal uh, book about the the Phoenix Suns in that like 06, 07 era where, you know, they were coached by Mike D'Antoni and, and just running around, flying around. And it was a great book. It was by Jack McCallum. But Seven Seconds or Less was probably the second best book I've ever re- written or wrote wrote i didn't write it uh read about about basketball sorry i got tongue-tied here um but it was it was very good too and the seven seconds or less basically jack mccallum followed the team around for two years he had like unprecedented access to the team kind of like the last dance was like if you can imagine the last dance but instead of being about jordan and the bulls and kind of like super out of order it's like in order and it's about the phoenix suns during like nash's back-to-back mvp years man that was that was an incredibly good book that gave you insight into you know the ins and outs of what what happened um and i think honestly as i go through this this list i made i think the books i like were generally about specific teams because the next one book that i thought was just really really well written and you know gave some some really good insight was actually bill simmons book which is the book of basketball now the takes are super dated because it was written in 2009 so it talks about you know what lebron james could be after five years in the nba who chris paul could be you know uh, as a newish point guard in the league and um but i think what he wrote on the history of like the 70s 80s 90s and and 2000s of what had transgressed so far still really rings true today and i think it's a a great book for even the casual basketball fan to kind of get like you know perspective on who some of the greatest players were uh he does his pyramid you know of of top i think it's like 100 players or something like that and you know gives a a well-written blurb about each and every single player in there he talks about some what-if scenarios and again it's it's a little dated given that how old it is but nevertheless it was it was a phenomenal book uh about just basketball as a whole um and I think it was well written. I think that the some of the takes, you know, it's funny how Bill Simmons was able to predict it and, and being, you know, a fan of his, I can obviously read it in his voice. But it was it was really, really well well put together and it kinda just felt like a long 
like article, if that makes sense. Like I'm, I've, you know, obviously we've all read articles in the past written by sports writers, but it just felt kind of like that. But it was, you know, 500 pages that felt like a breeze and I was able to get through it really, really quickly. Um, so that's those three. And then the last two, um, kind of go back in the, in the same vein as the first two, the, the, Second and last one that I want to talk about is called We the North, and it's by Doug Smith. And very similarly to, you know, um, Jack McCallum's book on the Phoenix Suns, We the North follows, uh, really it's it's the story of the Raptors from inception all the way up through their championship year in that 2019 season where for 25 years, perfectly on the dot, they win their first championship, which is kind of weird how numbers work like that. Like, you ever notice that? Like, 25 years to the exact year since the team's inception is when they win a championship. Or that lady, um, and I apologize for not knowing her name, the coach of, of Stanford that just won the women's NCAA tournament where she went 29 years exactly without winning a championship and then won a championship right before she had hit the 30th year like that was the extra motivation like i don't want to be 30 years without a championship anyway it's kind of crazy but we the north is uh it's written by doug smith who was the beat writer for the raptors since inception right and he talks about the early stages how they used to have to basically pair basketball tickets with hockey tickets through like the impact of like drake being the global ambassador through like what it felt like to finally get that that championship even though it was with like a mercenary-esque player like Kawhi Leonard and it was just really really well written from a guy that was there the entire time and like that's not something that you can just watch in a five-minute video right like I think that's that's what what gets me about all these different books is like you had to you have to read these books because they're so in-depth and it's not something that you can just quickly tell a single story about but it's a collection of stories written by some of the nba's best writers right all together and their collective experience and then that becomes part of your lexicon so the last book that i want to talk about is just 11 rings i think it's an absolute classic it's phil jackson's story from you know how he coached michael jordan to a championship through how he coached you know kobe bryant and, and got his you know six rings with the bulls and five more with the lakers which is incredible to do uh and i think that's really like a must read for any any fan of the game just because he coached two of the two of the greats right and at that point where the book was written you know uh it was a, a little bit pre-lebron um or before lebron really really solidified himself as you know the best player in the world but you know phil jackson coached you know the goat plus his spitting image and it uh it was insightful but it's also a great book on just general like leadership and philosophy on life and how to remain you know zen and, and be a good coach and coach different styles and, and things like that and I, I really enjoyed it uh but again it was from written from a perspective of somebody that was there that was in the trenches and, and that had to deal with it i actually listened to 11 rings both on audible and i actually read the book so I, I i consumed it a couple of times and i should probably go back and read all these other books again um because they were really that good and if i'm going to recommend it then i'm going to go ahead and and you know definitely have to read them again but uh i thought it was absolutely great like those five books so for those of you keeping score it's called 
The first one was The Breaks of the Game by David Halberstrom. The second one was Seven Seconds or Less by Jack McCollum. The third one is called The Book of Basketball by Bill Simmons. The fourth one was called We the North, 25 Years of the Toronto Raptors by Doug Smith. And the fifth one was 11 Rings by Phil Jackson. And I think if you read those five books and never read another basketball book in your life, then you'll be set. You'll probably miss a couple. Like I'm in the middle of Three Ring Circus, and that's actually really good uh, by Jeff Perlman. It's about the, the like Kobe and Shaq and how they came to the Lakers and, and what happened during their stint. And that one's been really good. Um, but I think if you read those other five and never pick up another basketball book again, you'll be set. But that's all I have for you today you know i think i'll continue to do different book reviews i'm I'm thinking of you know making a making a special either episode for that again you know as we approach the off season we're going to you know need some stuff to keep all y'all entertained and keep me talking and in, in, in front of you guys now but you know i enjoy showing sharing my knowledge and, and i thank you guys as always for listening um you know follow me at pj showcase on instagram and twitter posting gambling picks as often as i can uh but you know uh the, the, with the way the season's going it's it's got me got me a little gun shy a little bit got me a little gun shy but as always thank you so much for listening if you could leave me a five-star review i really appreciate that or just a four-star review three two i don't care leave me a review let me know how i'm doing and, and how you're liking it but um as always you know stay safe stay healthy stay wealthy and we'll catch you next time